Well, what a joy it is to be able to be in the house of the Lord on a Sunday morning. The sun is shining, and we have a forecast that's going to be 80 degrees before the week's over. So you have a reason to rejoice, not just because God saved you, but he's good, and he's letting warm temperature come back to the Midwest, all right? So, but uh, we do say welcome to you this morning for those of you that are here. Uh, we are so delighted to have you. If you're visiting with us, a very special uh, welcome to you this morning. Those of you going to class, feel free to do so at this time, and I'm just going to jump right into the word this morning. I am going to do my best to deliver to you what God has put in our spirit for today. And uh, if you have your Bibles with you, the book of Haggai chapter number one, of Haggai chapter number one. I'm going to share with you a very familiar passage of scripture this morning, but uh, the Lord would help us want to hopefully share with you something that will touch your heart in such a way that we will be willing to do whatever is necessary to experience what God is wanting us to experience in this season. There is a hunger today within the churches across America for a move of God. I believe it's no different here. But how many knows that it is not enough just to say you want something? It's not enough just to say you desire something. But there comes a point in our lives where we have to make necessary changes in order to experience that which we desire. And today, in the midst of all of the uncertainty of our world, I would stand here this morning without hesitation and tell you that one thing that is certain is that he's still God. We don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be full of fear and anxiety. We don't have to be overwhelmed by the what ifs of the world. But we can stand in complete confidence knowing that the God that we serve is still victorious. And there is no weapon formed against you that can prosper. That's just not words on a page. If you'll truly trust in the Lord. Now, in the culture that we find ourselves in, we are now so much further beyond than what we used to call a microwave generation because a microwave isn't even fast enough. We want everything now without any sweat, with any work. That's really not a curse word, I promise. But you have not because you ask not, but also the Bible is very clear that if a man doesn't work, he doesn't eat. I lost half of you right there. I want to say this this morning, that's not just natural things. I want that to settle in this morning. If you want to partake of the spiritual things of God, it doesn't just happen. 
we are saved by grace, yes, and we have received the gift of salvation, the gift of the Holy Ghost, and all of those things, but also faith without works is dead. So for a few moments this morning, I'm going to try my best to talk to you and preach for a few moments on a time to build. Haggai chapter number one, let me give you just a backstory very quickly. There has been an interruption, a disruption of the rebuilding of the temple. The foundation has been laid, but all kinds of opposition begins to come. And the children of Israel made a conscious, natural decision. Well, if it's hard and it's this much attack against what we're trying to do, maybe it's just time for us to live in our sealed houses and let's just ignore the house of God. They're talking about a natural temple here. And they simply decided to just put it on a hold, just decided to wait for a little bit. But we find that for five months, the Lord releases the prophet Haggai to come and began to preach a message to them. And the message was simply telling them, you need to consider your ways, number one. And secondly is, you need to understand that if you'll trust God, he'll be with you. And as he begins in this little book that's buried here in the Old Testament, he simply brings this message in the second year of Darius the king in the sixth month of that year, and he begins to speak specifically to Zerubbabel, uh, who is the governor of Judah, as well as he begins to speak to Joshua, the high priest. And he simply begins to speak to them and tells them that, you know, you need to really stop and pause and reconsider what you're doing because what you're doing isn't working. He tells them this in Verse number six, he said, you have sown much and you bring in little. You eat, but yet you have not enough. You drink, but you're not filled with drink. You, you're clothed, but there is none of you that are warm. You, you're earning wages, but you're putting those wages in bags as if they have holes in it. And once again, he says, consider your ways. Now, I could preach on a lot of those things, but verse number eight is where I want to take you this morning. And he says this, Go up to the mountain and bring wood and build the house and I will take pleasure in it and I will be glorified, saith the Lord. Let me read that again. Go up to the mountain and bring wood and build the house and I will take pleasure in it and I will be glorified, says the Lord. Now it is clear today that we're in a season of unrest and uncertainty in our nation. We are currently been divided and attacked from every direction it appears. There is a presence of darkness and a spirit of heaviness that's hovering over nearly every area of life for many within the borders of our nation. Sadly, those sitting in this house is not exempt from that either. But however, we were warned of these days and that they would come. Second Timothy chapter number three, the first five verses simply find these words. This know also that in the last days, perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, 
without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, fierce despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure, more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. But Paul says, from such, turn away. Please allow me to remind you and I today of the following. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 13. We are instructed to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. We are to put on the whole armor of God that we'll be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Notice, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand. With this truth been revealed to us through the word of the Lord this morning, I must ask the question to every one of us. What are we doing to stand? If we are not careful today, we have accepted and grown accustomed to living in an unacceptable condition, much like the children of Israel did when they had been overwhelmed by those around them. But notice, we have been given instructions to follow as men and women of faith. I know it's lots of scripture this morning, but stay with me just for a few moments, please. Ephesians chapter five, verses one through six. It says, but ye therefore followers of God as dear children, walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. But fornication and all uncleanliness and covetousness, let it not be once named among you as become a saints. Neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. For this ye know that no whoremonger nor unclean person nor covetous man who is an idolater hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. I want to say this to you, that hasn't changed. Just because men that mount platforms and stand behind sacred desks has contaminated the gospel does not mean the gospel has changed. Y'all, I knew y'all wouldn't shout me down today. It's a good thing you shouted in worship because you probably ain't gonna shout in this message. But we come to the house of God Sunday after Sunday and we say we want a move of God, we want revival, we want awakening, but yet we act like the world, live like the world, sound like the world, do what the world does, and we wonder why we're still defeated. Paul continues a little further in chapter number five of Ephesians, verse eight, verse 11, and then verse 14 through 18. He says, you were sometimes darkness, but now are you light in the world. Notice he says, so walk as children of light. If I could use modern day terminology, it would say just get your act together. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, 
but rather reprove them. Wherefore he saith, awake thou that sleepeth and arise from the dead and Christ shall give thee light. See then that you work circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Wherefore, be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And be not drunk with wine where in excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Let me ask you another question this morning. Do you understand what the will of the Lord is right now? in this moment. Much like the children of Israel in the book of Haggai, the, the, the foundation had been laid, everything was going, then all of a sudden a disruption comes. They are overwhelmed by those that was opposing what they was trying to accomplish and therefore they decided, well, we're just, gonna, we're just going to tolerate. We're just going to exist. We're just going to coexist and we're just going to look the other way. And the prophet came and said, listen, you guys got to stop and you got to change and you got to consider your ways. If it's not working, don't keep doing it. You, we're, we're intelligent enough people to understand that. So why is it that we have settled to train up a generation to do the very thing that we've done that hasn't produced revival, that hasn't produced a harvest, that hasn't produced an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, but yet we want them to follow in our footsteps. Listen, that is not of God. We gotta consider our ways. Which brings me to our message today. It's time for somebody to begin to build the house. I'm not talking about a natural building this morning, but I am talking about a spiritual house that is lying in ruins today in the United States of America. All across America this morning, sitting in buildings just like you and I are right now, is tens of thousands of people. Uh, they have awakened. Uh, they have went to their local house of worship. Uh, they have now sung their favorite songs. Uh, they are now listening to their favorite preacher, I hope. Uh, they are then now uh, already preparing in their mind uh, of going to their favorite restaurant. Uh, all of the while, their world uh, is full of darkness. Uh, their marriage is on the brinks. Uh, their children children are overwhelmed. There is no joy that can be found. There is no peace to be found. And there is nothing to look forward to. They're just always talking about, man, if we could just go back here. There is no fulfillment. There is no hope. There is no fight left within them. For many, this morning, they feel like it's over. But if we are not careful, our response is, well, it's just the signs of the times preacher. God help us today to awaken to the truth. We do not have to settle for what we are seeing today. But we have the ability to drive back darkness. But it's going to take you to do something that the word of the Lord says. James chapter 4 verse number 7. Submit yourselves therefore to God and resist the devil and he will flee.
flee from you. Uh, you're trying to drive back a devil uh, when he's going to run on his own if you just submit to God uh, and if you just be who God's called you to be. Uh, why in the world do you want to fight something that you don't have to fight? Uh, all you got to do is become a man of God and a woman of God uh, that's not afraid uh, to stand uh, on the fundamentals of the faith uh, and begin to say, I will walk in holiness. Uh, I will walk in purity. Uh, I will dispel the darkness from my life. I'm trying to preach to you in love this morning, uh, but please hear the word of the Lord today. Uh, it's time to go up to the mountain, uh, bring down the wood, uh, and begin to build the house. Uh, the foundation is already laid. Uh, we must begin to rebuild uh, that which has been destroyed. So I'm gonna get real close to you this morning. Grab the seat beside you if you have to. But I'm gonna be real with you. When was the last time you cleared your schedule just to spend time in prayer? You're saying all of the right things. But when was the last time we allowed our lives to be completely put on hold in order to walk into the realm that God has called for us to be in this moment of time prophetically? How much time have you spent this week in the word of the Lord? What is... he really asking of you in this season? Do you even really know? Where is your worship this morning? I'm not talking about during song service. But when was the last time your children heard you singing unto the Lord? One of my greatest memories as a child was hearing my mother's voice coming from the kitchen while she was doing dishes or especially in canning season or holiday season, baking all of those wonderful things. But you'd hear the atmosphere be penetrated by the sound of worship to her God. When was the last time your children heard that? If we'd be honest, in the Christian home, that's been replaced with bickering and arguing because of the stress of everyday life that we've allowed the enemy to bring and bombard us with. Can I be so bold this morning and ask the question, do you even remember what his voice sounds like? Daddy, when was the last time you prayed with your family? I know you work 12 hours. I know you work six days this week. I know you put food on the table. I know you did all of those things. 
I know you made sure the lights was on, the water was on. I, I understand all of that. And all of that is important, but nothing is more important than them hearing daddy pray. Husband, when was the last time you covered your wife with prayer and spoke words of life over her? If I wasn't empowered and bolded by the Holy Spirit, I'd duck and hide behind there because some of you don't like me at the moment. But, but mothers, when was the last time that you took your children into your prayer chamber and they heard you and saw you weep before the Lord? How much of a burden right now do you have for your city? We're the most connected society, but we're the most disconnected society at the same time. I went on a call this week. Very tragic. A 54-year-old man in this town. Nobody had connected with him for at least five weeks, maybe a little longer. And he laid in his house dead. He had family. Twin sister, has a daughter, has family. Tears has been shed, but it was too late then. How much of a burden do you have? Does it bother you today that our churches, while filled with people this morning, is absent of the convicting power of the Holy Ghost. Does it bother us at all today? Men and women will walk into the sanctuaries across America looking for answers. And they will not find what they're searching for because our houses are lying in spiritual ruin. No life, no hope, no joy, no peace, no purity, and no anointing. But you can tell me about revival that happened 15 years ago. You can talk to me about how Brother Carl Dealey used to sing it down, preach it down. You can talk to me about Brother Havis Crawford and how anointed he was. You can talk to me about the revival at 10th Street in the 70s when hundreds of young people began to filter through the building and they now they're preaching and passing all across this nation, but yet you can't tell me anything about right now. Because we began to be overwhelmed by the cares of life all around us and we decided, well, we don't need to build it now. It's too offensive, people too misunderstanding. Listen, those generations had their day, but what about this day? What about this generation? Allow me to remind you of the following passages this morning. 
Second Chronicles 7, 14, most of you can quote it. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. But Psalms 147 says, the Lord takes pleasure in them that fear him. And those that hope in his mercy is it possible that the Lord is not taking pleasure in what's taking place in the church in America today because there is no fear of God and because there is no hope in his mercy because we think we can just do whatever, whenever, however. Please hear me today. These are not my words. These are the words of the Lord and that you find in scripture. Hebrews 10, 38 simply says, now the just shall live by faith. And if any man draw back, my soul shall not have pleasure in him. Now, I want you to think on that this morning. The just shall live by faith. The patriarchs of the faith, they live by faith. My daddy's generation, they live by faith, still live by faith. But all of a sudden, everything began to change in our world. Everything began to be kind of focused in on. And then we began to feel some pressure of darkness. And we began to fight principalities and, and, and powers and, and evil on, on different levels and different scales. And we began to draw back. But the Lord says, for the one that draws back, I can't take pleasure in. Meaning this, I can't, I can't take delight in it. I can't put my stamp of approval on it. I can't bless it. Because it's drawing back. We must face the reality today, our decisions to just be comfortable and to just go along, to get along, is causing us to lose a generation. God forgive us today. But we must become willing to pick up our cross and follow him, not just today, but every day of our life. I pray you can get the sense of urgency this morning. We could not wait any longer in order for there to be an awakening in our nation. We have got to have a revival in us. Amen. The only way this nation or any other nation will experience an awakening is that first of all, there is a reviving in the church. Because a reviving gives birth to an awakening. So we're going to have to draw a circle around us. And we're going to have to ask the Lord to question what needs to be rebuilt inside the circle. The prophet comes along and he simply says this, you got to consider your ways because what you're doing is of no value. As much as I love being in this room this morning with all of you, if this is all we have, If there is no going forward from this place, we're just wasting our time. Please hear me. We must return to the landmarks of our faith. And the flesh isn't going to like it. I'm not saying we have to go backwards to go forward. I'm not talking about legalism or tradition. 
What I'm talking about is a man and a woman making a decision to live a separated life, a holy life, a sanctified life, a life of purity, because a life of purity is a life of power, and a life of power brings about a reviving, and a reviving brings about an awakening, and an awakening makes a world begin to be turned to Christ. But it all begins with the decision of somebody saying, I'm going to build we must come out from among the world and we must become separated once again because please hear me this morning. We don't need to become more polished. We don't need to become more Hollywood. We don't need to become more what the world says. We don't need to get rid of more biblical content to be relevant. What we need is a fresh outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Because that's the only thing that's going to convict your son and your daughter of the sin that they're living in and will cause them to run to the altar. That's the only thing that's going to make people that's sitting, raising their hands and saying, oh, I love Jesus while they're still living in sin, change their lives. We are to be men and women that touch a world. But you can't touch a world if your house is in ruins. We must take off the old man and we must put on the new in this season. I'm going to bring this to a close in just a moment. I want to say this to you tonight, or this morning rather. Our love for the things of this world must be dealt with. And our hearts must turn back to God. I want to say it again. Our love for the things of this world must be dealt with. And our hearts must be turned back to God. Would you be honest today and say, I'm not what I used to be. And would you be willing to cry out today and say, God, forgive me for letting this house begin to deteriorate and sit in ruins. Please know this this morning. If you'll make a decision to build the house, he will be faithful to take pleasure in it. And if he takes pleasure in it, you'll begin to walk with the blessing and the favor and the anointing of God and a world will begin to see Jesus. As they come to the piano this morning, we're in a place in our nation, we're in a place that some of us kind of shake our head and have a really hard time of believing that we actually have arrived at this place. But isn't it amazing? What can happen when somebody's sleeping that goes undetected? The church has been slumbering and sleeping for some time concerning spiritual things. We thought we could just come in and go out, come in and go out, and it wasn't going to require much of us. But today... Today, 
I look around and I see a world that's in chaos. I see men and women having no idea who they are, who they was created to be. I sense darkness and the spirit of heaviness upon a generation where they feel like they just, they just don't know if they can make it. Anger and violence is boiling over. Teenagers, young adults, middle-aged alike feels like they have nothing to offer and that nobody has anything to offer them. Therefore, the weight is real to them. Got a generation today that can barely breathe. But the church has become only visible for an hour and a half on Sunday morning. We're so preoccupied and just trying to get through one more week that we've built all of these things around us, but yet we've not built the house. And while our doors are closed, the world is opening their doors 24-7. And they're drawn in and wooed in with an imitation love, not a pure love. And the enemy puts his claws in them and then they're captured and they want to get free, but they can't get free. And we've adopted the scenarios of the world and we don't want to get dirty. We don't want to get in the gutter so to speak and love people because we don't want that smell on us because we're holy really all of the while we continue to carry a generation one by one to the graveyard and we put them six feet under not knowing that Many of them and the brokenness when we put them there, the plan for them was the Lord had made. One day you need to shepherd my people. One day you need to lead my house and worship. One day you need to teach. One day you need to do this. And one day you need to do that. But we're burying a generation. We don't shed a tear. We have no emotion. We're just already looking for our next leisure activity. We're in ruin. But in Egypt this week, there's a man who's taken out knelt down last three months of his life he's been beaten every day 
will let you go if you'll denounce your faith in Jesus. I'm not going to deny my Lord. His house was built. They busted every tooth out of his head. Deny your Lord. I'm not going to deny my Lord. Thursday, put a firing squad behind him, took his life and videoed it to strike fear in the hearts of the rest of the believers, said, if you don't deny Jesus, this is your future. Here in America, everybody says, oh, we lost everything. No, he gained everything because he built a house. Now, his family... You hear me this morning. His family's had to be removed from their home. They're in a safe location. But now there's no question in their mind this morning that the God that daddy served is worth dying for. But we moderately come and serve the Lord and then we wonder why our children don't want to do anything with the house of God or the things of God. I'll tell you something, when you get passionate about something, you'll see your children become passionate about it. How passionate are you about building the house of God this morning? I'm not talking about a building. Get rid of the building. The early church stepped out on the balconies of the city and 3,000 was saved, 5,000 was saved. The church was at it too daily. They didn't build synagogues. They didn't build all the stuff that we do. But no, they was just the church. They was a house that was built. And the thing is, is wherever they went, they stepped here the church was present. They stepped here, the church was present. They stepped here, the church was present. They went to Walmart, the church was present. They went to VP, the church was present. They went to the hospital, the church was present. They went to their family's house for dinner, the church was present. Listen, you won't even tell anybody about Jesus in your family uh, because hell, they don't want to hear it or oh, they'll think I'm preaching at them. Well, good. I'm not saying beat people in the head with the Bible every day. No, I'm telling you to be the church. Love people right where they are. My prayer is this morning is God let my house be built in such a manner that I could kneel down and say, I won't deny you, Jesus. But this house will never be built on that level if this isn't part of my life. You hear me. And if this isn't the table that I'm eating from, I'm going to be real with you. I gotta tell you this in love this morning. If this is covered in dust in your house and this is never used, you're fooling yourself 
and you will not stand in the days ahead because darkness is coming in a greater level than we've ever known. And it's going to cost us something. But if somebody will come back to these principles, this generation is going to begin to be awakened. And they are going to begin to speak under the unction and the power of the Holy Ghost in such a manner that some of you are going to get nervous. Hear the heart of this pastor this morning. If you continue to live in the edge of the field, there's a wolf in the wolf line that's going to grab you and snatch you when you think not. But if you come back into the fold of the Father, not only is there safety, I want you to hear me this morning. This is what I believe and sense in my spirit. And then we're going to pray. And in the spiritual realm, our heavenly father, the good shepherd, has a vial of oil that he's getting ready to pour in the ears of his saints. And healing's about to come to the body of Christ. And the remnant is about to disrupt the world. But he can't care for you if you choose to stay away from him. So I don't have a large message this morning. I just have this. He's simply saying, come. All ye that are labored, heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Just come. You may be overwhelmed today. You may have had the most terrible week of your life. You may feel like you're misunderstood and nobody gets you, nobody understands, nobody loves you. I love you this morning. More importantly, he loves you this morning. And he's just using this voice this morning to tell you just to come. He said, I'll never leave you, never forsake you. I'm so thankful that when he looks and he sees a vessel that's marred, he doesn't cast it aside. He just begins to take it, begins to mold it and remake it and put it back on the potter's wheel. And he said, I'm going to make you into something beautiful. He's about ready to make his church beautiful again. How does he do that, preacher? one vessel at a time. Hi everybody, this is Pastor Jade Abrams here. I want to thank you for joining us today. And I also want you to connect with us. You can find us on all the social media platforms listed below. And we would love to catch up with you, hear what God has spoke to you and continue to follow us. And we love you and God bless you.